Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Revenue Ops uh, Alignment with ABM. Uh, today we have Todd from Arizona. Todd, welcome to the show. Hello, Romeo. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. How is how is in Arizona? Like in all these movies that we we um, we watch um, on in Hollywood, is always something around Arizona. Like it's very very um, famous for the Hollywood uh, scene. Why, why is that? Arizona is spectacular. Uh, 10 months of the year, we have just beautiful, perfect weather. And so all the, the Hollywood folks that uh, get sit up, sick of the congestion in LA can just take a quick drive across the desert and, and come play golf in, in perfect weather and, and watch a little spring training baseball. And it, it's a great place to be. Yeah, uh, I suppose that they go for golf for sure because you have a lot of space in Arizona, right? It's huge, huge, a lot of a lot of fields, right? We do, and then and then in the summer when it gets hot here, we all go over there and and spend our summers on the beach in California and LA. <laughs> Good exchange. So, uh, t- you know, I was I was uh, spying you a little bit before the um, the show. And I looked at uh, your experience and I saw that uh, uh, you did data science at PwC in 98. And now you are doing um, CRO in, in logistics. We, we will go uh, into, into your career, but it would be great to talk a bit about how you end up to be a C- in CRO. And... Um, actually if you if you actually planned it <laughs> uh, so if you if you can make a short introduction by going through through your stories and in the meantime i will jump in and put few few questions sure sure um so yeah i joined pwc just after i uh, graduated from um wp carry uh, asu uh, i got an mba and a, a master's in data science there and then um PwC hired a lot of folks out of ASU back then to join their econometrics practice. So we uh, specifically were doing statistical modeling applied to economic problems. So econometric modeling, econometrics. Um, and it was an exciting field and you got to learn really how to use data to make informed decisions, um, which has become kind of a growing trend. Uh, back then there weren't a lot of people doing that, but today, pretty much every major company has a data science team. And particularly when you start to talk about marketing and and account-based marketing, um, it's very much um, data-driven decisions. So kind of knowing and understanding the nuts and bolts of how to uh, accumulate data, clean data, utilize data uh, is extremely valuable. And and pretty much everybody has embraced uh, data-based decision-making at this point. Actually, would would somebody hire a, um, a data scientist on what you guys did in PwC now with all the rise of ChatGPT? Because if you go in and 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 you you put the put the data in, you upload the data, you have this amazing AI who could do a lot of a lot of analysis. So I suppose it. Uh, um, you never dreamed back then that something like ChatGPT would uh, would make that job, right? And so AI is, is fantastic and it's incredibly powerful, um, but AI is really powerful for 
repetitive tasks, right? There, there's no reason for a human to do the same task over and over anymore. We can, we can use uh, uh, any AI, chat, GPT, or, or other AI tools to do that. So, you know, it, it's great for, you know, improving language, um, uh, generating um, uh, additional data, um, computer vision has really come a long way. We can do amazing things with computer vision. Um, but AI really is not good at uh, unique, complicated tasks. Humans still need to do that. And I would suggest that data science is a very complex um, problem and, and most of the problems are unique problems. So you may be able to utilize AI in specific tasks, but you still, um, data scientists are highly valuable right now, I would say. I, I think you see that, um, you know, there, there's pretty huge demand for data scientists. Yeah. And again, really in every field. Um, I mean, certainly th this program focuses on account-based marketing and, and there's there's great demand for it in marketing. Um, you know, the, the, the magic, um, you know, you watch, you know, like Mad Men back in the day, and it was just uh, mm. creative guys coming up with creative phrases and coloring and, um, and that's all great and, and hand wavy, but marketing today is very data driven. Um, it's generating um, languages and approaches and strategies that are based in data. And there's lots of A/B testing and, and, and you know, is, is this phrasing more um, accepted than that phrasing? You can test all that out and it's all backed up with data. Um, so it, it's, it's very different. It's very data driven. It's very, um, it's not a soft field anymore. It's a, it's a very mathematic data-driven field. Uh, and, and that's not just true of marketing, right? You'll, you'll see that in you know, transportation and manufacturing and, and um, engineering and construction. Um, it's all very data-driven, all based pretty heavily on um, good data science. Yeah, I suppose that uh, those, time, those times of Eugene, Eugene Schwartz or all the direct uh, marketing uh, gurus, right? When you were, you were talking about um, the movie, um, I was just I w like, when we go through, through your experience, I will, I will pick some, some topics so we can peel the onion a little bit and then we can go back and... and, and uh, go back to your uh, to your story and um, really get to know you. So, before we move on to what you did after PwC and how you ended up in now being CRO and now doing what you do, uh, let's let's take this data science a little bit and let's peel the onion, and specifically for marketing, right? So, tell us like really a dummy's uh, let's say. Um, for, for a dummy's book, <laughs> what is data science for marketing or, and where it could be used data science for RevOps or for ABM in your view? Yeah, so when, absolutely. So your, your marketing campaign, your go to market plane is really an extension of your, your company strategy. So when you are looking at your company and, and where you plan to make revenue, um, before you can put out your first marketing campaign, there is a ton of meticulous research and planning that goes into that. Um, and you start with um, what is your larger market that you're trying to address? Uh, who are the major players within that major market? Uh, what is the like profile the of the market, right? Yeah, like total addressable market. market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the total addressable market? What's the total serviceable market? Um, 
what is the profile of the candidate that is most likely to buy your product? Um, and then you can come up with a list of kind of a, 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 a target list, if you will, uh, of companies. Mm -hmm. um, and then within that list of companies, you're going to have the companies that are a tighter market fit for you. So you're going to want to identify those folks. And then within those, each one of those companies, you're going to want to identify okay, who are the decision makers that would buy your product within that uh, target account. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really where account-based marketing comes in and a lot of the, the great technology that's available. Um, once you can define, okay, I want to look at this list of companies and within this list of companies, I want to talk with the, you know, the chief marketing officer, or I want to talk with the, the project managers, whoever it is that you identify as the decision makers for your, for your product, um, then account-based marketing can help you identify those specific roles and you can then build a specific um, marketing campaign, specific content that you want to get in front of those people, and then uh, build a campaign that's going to deliver that content to those target specific individuals within specific companies um, to create awareness, uh, ideally create interest um, before there's ever any uh, direct outreach uh, to those people. So you've kind of you've uh, primed the pump or softened the beaches, whatever you want to call it in order to uh, create desire to, to interact with your, with your company and your product. And, and data science would be those folks who would manipulate this data and help you get insights from this total addressable market. Like this would be their yeah. role in this, in, in this whole process. Yeah, data science plays a role in the original research as you're laying out your, additional, your initial targets. Uh, both target companies as well as target individuals. And then when you start those campaigns, um, that's an iterative process. You don't just create a campaign and launch it and, and it works. Um, there's lots of testing and iterations where you may launch uh, three different versions of a message or three different versions of a campaign. And then you track that and you see what the success rates are and you make adjustments based on that. Um, and so you're going to compare, you know, a, a Splash ad one versus splash ad two versus splash ad three versus mm -hmm. email campaign one versus email campaign two versus email campaign three. Uh, and what is the most successful uh, individual message? What is the most successful combination? Um, and all of that is tracked and all of that then becomes data science and your data scientists will then be presenting to your marketing team. You know, here is where you have had success. This is where you have uh, not had success. Um, It'll also pull in um, product market fit, where you'll have your um, product marketing managers that will be analyzing your marketing success data, but also comparing that more broadly to your specific product and to your competitors' products. Um, and again, hopefully also gathering feedback based on not only did you not like this ad, but why or, why or why not? Uh, you like this product, why or why not? So you can find out what are the holes in our product? What, what are the shortcomings of our product that we need to improve? Um, what are the strengths of our product that we need to highlight? What are the strengths of our competitors' products that we need to emulate or duplicate? And what are the weaknesses of our competitors' products that we can exploit? Uh, and then how all of those pieces come together, your product versus your competitors' product, your marketing campaign versus your competitors' comp um, campaign, uh, your different versions of your campaign and your outreach and which ones are more successful. All of that is a very complicated puzzle. And the data scientists will hopefully look at all of that different data 
and create insights, actionable insights, so you can uh, get that information back to your product team to hopefully continue to iterate and improve your product and also get that information back to your marketing team so they can continue to iterate and improve the marketing messaging. Lovely. So I, I suppose that many marketing teams um, skip that and they jump into just um, hunches and, and gut feeling, right? Because uh, having a data scientist, um, it's something that um, doesn't happen at startup, maybe at a bigger organization. It really, really makes sense to, to have that. So I suppose it depends on the maturity level of that team when it comes to uh, account-based marketing. Well, uh, just... it's, not a, it's not a bad idea to get your product out there and get it in front of um, potential clients as, as soon as possible. Um, really smart marketer, uh, Walt Doyle, I, I met him some time ago in my career. He was the founder of GasBuddy uh, that mm -hmm. went on to be a very successful app. Um, uh, they had a nice exit. Um, his theory was your marketing team and your product team will never get it right uh, on their own. You want to get an MVP and get it out into the market and your customers will tell you what they like and what they don't like. So exactly. you want to get that feedback as soon as possible. So it's, you know, it's not a terrible idea to just get an MVP, get it out there, and then let the customer tell you what they like and what they don't like and start iterating. And with each iteration, it's going to improve. And that's true of both the product itself as well as the marketing and the, and the two go hand in hand, right? As you improve your product, uh, you will also improve how you market it, how you message it, uh, the, the two go hand in hand, and it's all an iterative product or process. So just going back to your story, like after PwC, then you, you went into transportation or construction, which was, which was first and how did you, uh, use technology there? I'm curious about this, uh, switch and the use of technology and how how is marketing for a construction company and, and, and ABM Actually, or construction or transportation uh, company <laughs> right after right after pwc i joined a company called march 1st which was uh def yeah and march 1st was definitely riding the internet bubble which you may be too young to even remember the internet bubble but it was when internet was the new thing it, it was the greatest thing in the world and it was all powerful and people loved it like 2000s um, right yeah, yeah. So March 1st uh, bought up a bunch of small consulting companies. March 1st was essentially a system integration, um, uh, custom website building company. And uh, it launched itself on March 1st. Um, so not a super creative <laughs> name. And and for about a month, they were the largest services company in the world. Um, oh. But not long after that, the internet uh, bubble burst and all sorts of these consulting companies uh, struggled and, and faded away. So March 1st was, uh, went from zero to 100 and back to zero incredibly fast. Um, but it was really exciting work while we were doing it. We worked with companies to look at what their business needs were and then uh, either integrated different technologies or built custom technologies, primarily web-based technologies uh, to help them drive their, their business use cases. And uh, I actually loved that work. I, I loved kind of being the liaison, sitting between the technology folks and the product folks and the engineers and the business folks and strategy and the sales guys on the other side and um, helping them all move forward. And really, I've done some facet of that in my career ever since. Um, and you're right, across multiple different industries, uh, transportation, logistics, construction, 
Um, but in each case, uh, I really was using technology to create efficiencies that gave the company an advantage in the marketplace. Um, and that's, that's still true today. I, I've done that at pretty much every company I've been at since has, has had some form of that where we are, we're using technology to create efficiencies and, and create um, defensible advantages over the competition. I was, I was talking with um, a company uh, in construction, AI clearing, and these guys, they came up with some drones that uh, go on construction sites and they monitor the progress of the constructions with the image recognition to understand, first of all, safety. Like, so if you do a highway, you send out the, the drones and then the AI can detect if the workers, they have helmets or not, like crazy stuff like that. Right. Um, and I, I was amazed, like, wow, how, uh, uh, at what, level you can use AI, right? Yeah. And um, um, then I suppose that when it comes to constructions or transportation today, as you said, even before we started the podcast, there is a lot of data. So if you can have the helmet <laughs> of each worker, like that's one data point, I suppose you can look at, I don't know, the trucks that are there, uh, authorized personnel, no idea, a lot of different data points. So for this, to analyze this, again, you need folks like you guys, right? Like you need data, but data scientists, um, but then you need to get insights out of that, right? Because, and you need to put it in front of the boardroom. And, and, and this is for me fascinating. How do you get this data? How do you get this data? How do you get this type of level of information to make it actionable data points for decisions? For me, this is, this is an unknown. And, and if you can shed some light on that, because this is something that uh, you went into construction and, and, and would love to uh, understand and then dive deeper into how, how, how this is used in logistics also. So I so said the construction world right now is um, the use of technology is just emerging. I'd, I'd say it's a fairly immature uh, market in terms of technology use, um, but there's huge opportunity and there's a lot of people starting to look at it and starting to uh, develop technologies that will help uh, a great deal. Right now, construction obviously is a very manual process but also the, um, the inspection and uh, certification process is even more manual. And, and oftentimes a, a huge portion of the timeline of a job site is uh, more the, the permitting and the ongoing inspections uh, opposed to just the, the construction itself. And that's a place where AI and data science can, can really help, um, but there's still a gap in technology. Um, for example, um, you know, most large Companies, construction companies today have uh, have pretty advanced software for their uh, project management. Um, but it, like you said, it's very difficult for them to get specific data from the job site to plug into those uh, to plug into those systems. Um, so, if you can use technology like drones and AI and computer vision, or even connected tools um, that could Sorry, <laughs> connected tools 
that can collect data and provide that data back to uh, computer companies' software, there could be tremendous value in that. Um, you know, say for example, you have a job site and you are hanging um, you are hanging equipment uh, from a cement ceiling. Um, each one of those anchors needs to be set to a very specific torque. Uh, and then an inspector has to come and actually manually test the torque on each one of those anchors. Um, and that can be, you know, a two, three day delay waiting for that inspector to come out and, and hand check all of those. If instead about you could have a subject matter expertise, <laughs> talking <laughs> about subject matter expertise, one yeah. guy who needs to come to inspect that, right? <laughs> yeah. If instead you could have a connected tool and you could collect the data. So when the installer sets that bolt, you collect the data. So you know exactly where that bolt is set and exactly the torque at which it is set. And you can then share that data directly back with the computer system and you can create a digital twin of that job site. And you can simply submit that digital twin to the inspector and they don't have to physically go out to the job site and do that testing. It can all be done with data. Now you can really speed up a job site and in the construction world, time is money. If you can eliminate the delays waiting for inspections and you can get a job done in 10% less time or 20% less time, um, all of that time savings goes directly to cost savings, which goes directly to the bottom line. So it's, it's a huge advantage. So I think you are going to see over the next decade, you're going to see a lot more connected tools, connected job sites, um, big use of digital twins and AI will be a big part of that. Computer vision will be a big part of that. And I think ultimately what you'll see is faster job sites where inspectors are no longer walking around job sites. They're sitting in offices um, doing it all over the computer. And this is exactly subject matter expertise, what you're telling me, because if I would need to do an ABM campaign now for a construction company or AI clearing, for example, right without and this is what i'm trying to tell also our clients like without subject matter expertise without someone how you explain me now coming in and telling me about all these little things about construction and how technology and construction links your marketing it's like very generic right like especially in abm when you are targeting that particular company that needs to buy the, those drones, right? Like what's the use case of the drone? Like you need to really know the use case and to know the use case, you need to know the problems of those uh, particular uh, companies so that you can come up with the um, value proposition for them because without it, it's like... So um, can you tell us a bit more about the importance of subject matter expertise? I just, I just need a... Uh, uh, another opinion, another voice out there to <laughs> pioneer, to to evangelize this idea of subject matter expertise, because sometimes I feel I'm just alone there talking about it. Well, I think the the important clarification comes in the difference between B to B marketing and very targeted, very specific ABM marketing versus what people think of as you know more general consumer-based marketing, right? If Pepsi wants to sell their product, almost everybody is a potential buyer of Pepsi. So you can do these huge blanket market campaigns and TV ads and billboards because it applies to everybody. That's not true of construction software or a connected tool, right? Um, there's a very, very specific audience 
um, that will have interest in that. Um, and even within construction companies, there's a very specific audience of specific jobs within a construction company that'll have interest in your specific product. So you can't do um, broad marketing campaigns. It's just, it's a huge waste of money. They're insanely inefficient. Um, and you, you, you talk about yields in the, uh, you know, 1%, 0.1%, and that, that's just hugely inefficient and a massive waste of money. So the, the whole concept behind, behind account-based marketing is to, you know, flip the funnel. And um, really, you're trying to identify the very specific people that make the decision within the target company to buy your specific product. So there's, there's a lot of research and a lot of targeting that has to take place before you ever send a message. Uh, you need to identify that specific person. And in order to identify that specific person, obviously, you need to have a lot of uh, specific um, uh, expertise in your specific area. So if you're trying to sell a, a construction software or a connected tool or a uh, AI-based computer vision package to a construction company, uh, you're going to need a, a, an expert uh, in construction and an AI that understands how the construction company uses that piece of technology or could use that piece of technology and who the decision maker is within the company to decide, yes, we're going to buy that or no, we aren't going to buy it. And, and that could be you know, multiple people or it could be a single person. Um, but if you don't have the right subject matter expert, you could waste a ton of money targeting the wrong people or the wrong company, or you may be targeting the right company, but you're not targeting the right um, segment within that company. In the construction world, some things are sold at the enterprise level. Some things are sold at the management level. Some things are sold at the field level to the superintendent on site. They're very different sales processes, very different decision makers. So knowing who that decision maker is and then crafting a message for that particular decision maker also requires um, expertise in that specific area. So yeah, a subject matter expert is, is, is critical to have both a product market fit and a messaging that fits and getting that messaging delivered to the right person. If you have the right message and the right company, but you're delivering it to the wrong person, you're still wasting your money. You have to have the right product, the right messaging delivered to the right person then yeah, you have a chance of making a sale. Yeah, and I, I feel that all this ABM became really a buzzword also because of the the tech providers, right? So uh, all the companies who make money out of uh, marketers who want to do ABM, so like the Terminus, right? Or, or, or any, other, um, any other technology company, especially in advertising, right? Because that was, it was um, in their benefit for you to now target uh, 100 companies, right? No, and obviously they would not, um, you know, preach or evangelize the idea of subject matter expertise because it's hard. You cannot get an average marketer now who did Pepsi, as you said, or, or inbound or SEO, right? And now advertise construction software company it's really hard because you need to know the, you need to have the subject matter expertise but the narrative was never there right because you you what you want you make money if more advertisers come and just target those companies right with whatever message i don't care what message right so mm, i i just want to you know 
demystified this uh, whole idea of, of ABM because it's just uh, misunderstood many times. Like we have companies coming to us who want to do ABM, but when I dig in and, and, and I say, okay, do you have the subject matter expertise? Then everything changes. Oh, we are not ready. Yeah. So we are two months in discussion and in the end we are not ready because we don't have the subject matter expertise. So guys, you need that subject matter expertise. Yeah. So um, interesting. You mentioned Terminus when I was with Zendrive, a uh, technology yeah. startup in the mobility space uh, out of San Francisco, and we use Terminus. Um, and Zendrive sold to auto manufacturers and to large insurance companies um, or to um, large MNOs. Mm -hmm. um, but again, we had a very specific buyer and, and we hired Terminus to help us with uh, ABM. And so the first time you sit down with Terminus, um, they ask you a thousand questions. You know, who is your target company? Who are the decision makers? Um, and really you are the subject matter expert and you are informing them. Um, cause again, their technology, they can target at a very granular level, but they have no idea who to target. You need to inform them of that. So um, you can't just, you know, hire one of these companies and, and magically, you know, it's going to start working. You, you spend a lot of time with that company defining who your target is, defining uh, your message, and then again, iterating and, and improving that and using data science to tell you what is working and what isn't working. So there, there is no silver bullet. There's no magic wand. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of research and it's a lot of iteration uh, to improve, to yeah identify who is the target? What's the right message? What's the product market fit for that? It's it's um, it's hard yeah, work. Exactly, exactly. And and additionally to that, just just for for people to really understand, you you cannot start an ABM campaign without having any clue about that industry and about those targets, the, the, that subject matter expertise. Because I find like we we this ABM became like the shiny object syndrome, right? Like everybody is doing, oh my God, let's do also ABM, right? And then when you go in, you're like, oh my God, I don't have the expertise. Like I didn't thought it's so, uh, so hard. Like, and you cannot make it, make up subject matter expertise. Yeah, like other consultants or whoever will try to sell it, sell it on you, but you need to be specialized in something. And that's why, um, I don't know if you know, Todd, but here in, in this part of the world, there are a lot of very good um, IT and mathematicians and so on. Like because of the, the um, legacy era that we had in, in, in um, communist and post-communist period, right? Like the science and mathematics, physicians, all of that were like really, really important. Like everybody needed to be an engineer. So because of that, now we have a lot of IT outsourcing companies right here. Like outsourcing is big right here. Yeah. So these companies, these companies, they go out and they, they, they are brilliant in technology, like all the, all the tech stack and all of that, but they only did code, right? So they did code for many, many, many industries and never deep dived into the subject matter expertise of that industry, right? Because you just do code. And now because of the whole influence of ABM, these companies became big, you know, like a, a 
bunch of people, and now they want to do ABM, right? But because strategically the plan was not there to dive deep in an industry, right? To really only they dived into the technology, into Python, into machine learning, into different kind of front-end uh, applications and so on. Now, when, when uh, these companies want to do ABM campaign, there's a huge challenge because you don't have the subject matter expertise, right? So that's, that's, the, uh, that's what I'm trying to preach is that if you build a business and at one point you want to be really good at one industry and, and deep dive into that, there is no escape from being subject matter expert, right? Because right. It's really, you know, technology is a tool. AI is a tool. ABM is a tool. Um, but just buying the tool doesn't do anything for you. You have to have this subject matter expert that knows how to use that tool. And, and in most cases, you need two subject matter experts, right? You need the subject matter expert uh, in the industry that you are in, and you need the subject matter expert on the technology side. So you're right. Uh, I mean, Poland has uh, fantastic uh, technology resources and compared to the U.S., very well priced, um, uh, you know, uh, Pakistan, India, Ukraine. There, there's a lot of fantastic places you can get amazing talent for, for much cheaper than the U.S. Um, and so you need that technology expertise. But again, you, you're absolutely right. Just hiring those technology people, those those great coders, um, they also need a corresponding subject matter expert at the client to, to tell them what to build. Correct. So going back to the story, you, you left then um, you, you left constructions and you went into the world of mobility in which you are today, right? And logistics. Tell us a bit uh, actually what, what your company does today and how you embed technology and how you... Um, you ended up in this world of, of mobility. What are the problems there and how you do ABM in mobility? Yeah, so the um, company I'm currently with is Aiden Automotive. And Aiden provides a two-way streaming communication platform for connected cars. Uh, and the problem we're, we're addressing there is connected cars have been around for 20 years, for two decades. Uh, but the reality is connected cars aren't really connected to much of anything. They're connected to the OEM cloud that, that manufactured them, um, but that's about it. Uh, and so there are very few services that you can actually get in your car, which is why most people, when you're in your car, you use your phone all the time, right? If you, if you drive somewhere and you want to find a parking spot, you pull out your phone. If you need to charge your phone, you pull out a, if you need to charge your car, you pull out your phone. Whatever the service is, you use your phone because the phone is actually a connected device. So if you remember back, and maybe you maybe this is too far for you, but like 15 years ago, phones were just phones. They were, we called them feature phones, right? And you could call and you could text and that's all they did. But about 15 years ago, we connected them. It became a connected device. As soon as it was a connected device, now you could deliver all these different services. So over the last 15 years, you know, every service you can imagine has been developed and is available on your phone. You can do anything on your phone. By contrast, cars have never really gotten connected. They're still not really connected devices. So in a car, like you get in your car and your car might be able to do navigation, but your phone probably has better navigation. So most people still use their phone for navigation, yeah. not even the car in navigation. And they might play music. Um, and that's because it's not a connected device. So the Aiden Auto technology, our platform actually connects the car and turns it into a connected device. 
So now all of a sudden, if you have Aiden deployed in your car, you no longer need a phone. All of the services that you can get through your phone are now available directly through the car. And the car actually has more computing power. So it unlocks uh, more use cases, more personalized use cases. And you can think of um, personalized insurance use cases, predictive maintenance for your car, parking, EV charging, like a, a nice, um, you can imagine you're, you're in your EV car and you're, and you're driving into to, to Krakow, right? And um, on the way, your, your car gets down to 30% charge. Um, and your car proactively tells you, hey, Romeo, uh, you need to charge your car. Here's three charging stations within your range that are the appropriate charging standard for your vehicle. Uh, and it'll give you directions to that charging station. Once you arrive there, your car will automatically take care of payment for you. You don't have to pull your phone. You don't have to pull a credit card. The, oh, the car wow. will just automatically take care of the payment. And then while you're sitting there, the car will tell you, Romeo, are you going to need to charge for 35 minutes? Here's a coupon or a code to get a, a $5 off your Starbucks next door. Or would you like to keep shopping for those Adidas shoes you were looking at yesterday? So you can do in-vehicle mm -hmm. commerce because or they can send you around the corner to the coffee. Yeah, but the car can be proactively delivering things to you um, so that you don't have to request them, right? So that you don't have to wait until your car is down to 10% charge and then pull out your phone and try to find a network. Your car knows how much charge you have. Your car knows where you are. It can do all that proactively for you. So as the driver, uh, you can now focus on the other things in your day, not taking care of all those um, services. So this is a piece of hardware or just software or you, you guys work with the manufacturers? Like how you embed this whole technology in the cars? Yeah, so it's software only. It's, uh, it's a software that is deployed um, inside of any Android Auto operating system vehicle, simply installed by the, by the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. um, and then we can then connect your car to any service that you have interest in connecting to your car. Okay, sweet. So you need to have an Android uh, device, right? Uh, so Android Auto uh, has a terrible naming convention, right? Android Auto, most people think of the, the software that mirrors your phone in the car. And that is called Android Auto. That's what it is. It's, it's basically the same thing as Apple CarPlay, right? Apple, Both of those yeah, softwares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple yeah, yeah. CarPlay and Android Auto mirror your phone in the car so you can use your phone yeah. in your car. Android Auto Operating System a confusing name, but it's actually something different. Android Auto Operating System is actually the operating system that controls the infotainment stack within your car. Uh, and this is a, a, a huge change in the mobility world, in the automotive world. For years, every manufacturer has had their own operating system. So every, every car has a heterogeneous uh, data set. Yeah, yeah. Um, like now, I, I manufacturers are all... In yeah. Audi, they have their really, really bad operation system. Like, it's horrible. Right. So now what we're seeing across the automotive industry is everyone is moving to Android Auto operating system. So now all of a sudden it is standardizing data sets, standardizing communication across these cars, um, which makes it much simpler for um, anybody, say an insurance company or a parking company, if you want to deliver your service across multiple different car brands. In the past, you had to do integrations with each one of those OEMs. Now, um, Android Auto operating system standardizes that, makes it much simpler to deliver services across brands and across manufacturers. Okay, got it. So if you run an ABM campaign, you are targeting the manufacturers, right? Yes, you, you can target um, auto manufacturers. And in, within the auto manufacturer, we want to speak with either their, uh, their, their strategy team or their connected services team 
or ideally you want to get to identify and get to the person that is responsible for profit and loss for services within the OEM. Because every OEM has announced mm -hmm. huge plans to grow their services revenue. Most OEMs are saying they want to be 30 to 50% services revenue by 2030. And right now today, none of them are anywhere close. They make all of their money off of selling the car, but they all want to um, kind of recreate themselves as services companies. Um, so for us in particular, um, you know, if you talk about any car manufacturer, they're, they're massive organizations, right? Thousands of employees spread out across the globe. You can't just target Mercedes-Benz or Volkswagen. Mm -hmm. You have to know very specifically within Mercedes-Benz or within Volkswagen or within Toyota, what is the specific team or division you need to speak with and who is the specific individual within that um, that is responsible for profit and loss of services. So that's who we need to identify and get in touch with. And that's where ABM can be helpful um, in identifying those people and, and getting a message uh, to that specific person at that specific company. Okay, so so how do you guys do it? Like you, what kind of ABM campaigns you guys usually run? Like I suppose it's only US or you'd go so for like German manufacturers or um, maybe maybe you can tell us a bit about what type of ABM campaigns you run when you you need to target such big companies. So we are we are a little teeny startup. Um, our team is six people. I'm essentially the the first uh, kind of revenue hire. So I, I work with a bunch of really smart technical people, uh, and I am going out there and and building our our first partnerships. Um, so we target. Um, OEMs globally, as well as mm -hmm. service providers globally. And we're really trying to set up three-way partnerships with um, an initial OEM and uh, really one of their preferred um, service providers. Uh, in most cases, it's, a, it's an insurance folks, company. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but for the folks, OEM, original equipment uh, manufacturing, right? Yes, CDM, sorry. OEM yes. is uh, auto manufacturer, correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, Basically, Apple is an OEM, no? Like because they build their uh, phones. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if Apple would um, contract someone, that's CEM, contract contractual equipment manufacturing, something like that, right? Just for for the people to understand. So the the sure. service providers that you mentioned, those solution providers, are they like? where are they in the chain like in the in the whole buying journey like they would influence the oems or why do you target them um so it really needs to be a, a balanced marketplace right so for it can really originate with an auto oem or auto manufacturer or it can originate with a service provider but you need to have both participating uh, so for example we are now live with volvo trucks um, they're one of our first uh, live fleets and the service provider is if insurance. So if insurance is one of the largest insurance providers in the Nordics and the Baltics. Um, so Volvo trucks and if insurance already have an existing relationship and they wanted to be able to get better data off of the Volvo trucks to support, uh, more personalized use cases, uh, for their insurance partner. So, um, Aiden became the obvious solution to connect if insurance to uh, Volvo Group vehicles. Um, so it's, it's really a, uh, 
you can call it a two-way partnership utilizing the Aiden platform or, or a three-way partnership with Aiden, the auto OEM and the service provider. And um, yeah, so, so it could be a service provider, you know, say if Allianz Insurance would like to be on BMW and VW cars, um, they could bring the idea to BMW or uh, VW, mm-hmm. or it could be the other way around. If VW says, hey, we want to get better um, data to Allianz, um, then Aiden can be the platform or the pipes that uh, gets that data from the vehicles to the service provider. So in your example, previous example, you mentioned about Starbucks. The, the, you're waiting, you get a coupon. So Starbucks is a service provider because it gives you the coupon, right? Okay, yeah. Got it. Got it. So yeah, I think in-vehicle to... commerce is a, is a huge growing area. I think you're going to see more and more where people are going to want to um, use the downtime in their cars, particularly EV cars when they're charging. They're going to want to use their downtime to, to shop or play games or... Um, I mean, Starbucks is ahead of the game. Starbucks, I, I don't know as much in the US or in the EU, but in the US, Starbucks has been putting uh, Tesla superchargers at their locations for, for years. So you, if, you're, if you're on a road trip from Los Angeles to San Francisco, um, right in the middle of the two, there's a huge Starbucks that has 10 Tesla superchargers. So you stop halfway to San Fran to charge your car and you stop at a, at a Starbucks to do that. So that's uh, that was um, very insightful and fortuitous of, of Starbucks. They're ahead of the game. But I think you're going to see more and more of that. Uh, and then you're going to see more and more of in-vehicle advertising to drive drivers to those chargers to, you know, whether it's a, a McDonald's or a Starbucks or whatever it is, uh, they're going to want you to stop at their location and buy a hamburger or buy a cup of coffee while you charge your car. Very smart. And I suppose that um, so when you when you do the ABMs, you need to you have different value props for the OEMs and for the service providers. And then basically when you create this, these campaigns, you need to, uh, to do, let, let's say, two different um, subject matter expertise, two different type of uh, campaigns because they are all different and the, uh, and the, and the roles, the jobs to be done are, are different. Mm. I'm just wondering because this is innovation, right? Like this is not not like you're selling a CRM. Like it's not like you're selling uh, I don't know Salesforce. Um, so your ABM campaigns need to be very creative. So you need to put okay, you have the data part there, but also you need to put the um, the hat of those. Um, advertisers um so i'm just wondering like how do you guys come up with these uh, the value props and the messaging and all this uh, insights that make those buyers tick like how do you um how do you make them start a conversation with you guys because that's that's um you know it's a it's a developing market right it's not like you already have everything and you have use cases and examples and webinars about it i suppose you need to filter it with your own expertise yeah that's always the hardest part right getting that initial engagement getting somebody to answer your email answer your phone call um and you're right uh aiden platform is something brand new uh it's not an app we're not an aggregator. 
Uh, it's a services platform. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a brand new category. So there's a lot of education involved in that too, or uh, evangelization, um, trying to get people to just simply understand what you are. Uh, the way that we do that is we lead with uh, the value props. We, we like to think of um, a very common pain point that most people can recognize. Um, for example, parking. You know, everybody has been in the situation where you, you drive into a new city and you use Google Maps and you plug in your destination and, and you arrive at your destination and now you have to find some place to park. And so you pull out your phone and, um, you know, Google Maps may take you to a parking lot. And the first parking lot it takes you to is a, a private parking lot. So you can't get in. Uh, and the second parking lot it takes you to is a uh, is a paid parking lot, but it's full. Um so you, you have this frustration. And once you finally find an available parking spot, now you got to figure out which app to use to, to pay for that parking spot. Um, so it, it's, kinda, it's a pretty that's frustrating that's experience that, yeah, right? It, it's a, it's I, a yeah, common yeah. frustration that pretty much everybody's experienced. Even though it's innovation and it's like, I don't know, uh, in-car commerce and, and, and all this um, uh, aggregation with insurance companies and so on, you don't go into that sophisticated uh, uh, value prop. You, you, you take a common problem. And this is, this is brilliant. Like you, you need to dissect the elephant and you, you, you need to make it easy to digest. And this is what I'm trying to tell also our um, customers that you don't need to tell your sophisticated solution in a tech technological a bubble that you are in, you know, nobody understands that tech bubble, but find these common um, problems and, and parking is, is, is brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. Um, one of the things a lot of people say is most founders, most technology founders, um, they want to talk about their product all the time. They want to show you their product and, and tell you all the details of the product. Nobody cares. Uh, what people want to know is what problem does this solve for me? Um, so when we're communicating with people, when we're trying to get that initial hook, we're trying to say, look, here's this common problem that you've experienced. And we like parking is so easy because as soon as you start that conversation, everybody has the, their parking story. Of, oh, my God, I went to the Gothenburg one time. And <laughs> anyway, everybody's got their crazy parking story. Right. So it's a really easy problem that's very universal. And you can explain, look, we can solve that problem for you. Now they're interested. Now you can start talking more and you can start talking about the product and you start explaining how it works. But first you have to get their interest and say, look, here's that big pain in the ass problem of yours. We can solve that for you. And for each one of the segments, like you said, it's, it's a different message for, for each different service and each different segment, right? If you're Starbucks, they have a different problem than your insurance company has. And they have a different problem than your um, auto manufacturer has. So you need to find the, the common uh, understood problem that your technology solves for that particular um, you know, potential client. Yeah, and then you, you craft your, your ABM around that um, to craft the messaging for them. And, and in our particular case, because we are really brand new technology, a lot of that is education and awareness. Um, but again, start with a problem, start with a common problem. What is their problem that you're solving? Mm. And these insights that you're getting for, like, as you said, like different problem for Starbucks, for the insurance companies, for Allianz and the others. Like, how do you get these insights? How do you know which are these problems? How, like, is it because of the founders? It is because of your background experience or you do some heavy research? How, how do you know this market so well? 
So this comes back to your point of you need subject matter experts. So yeah, you need uh, you need a subject matter expert. You need someone um, with a great technology mind, uh, and the two of them can get together, uh, understand the problem, and build a technological technological solution for that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 the genesis of of all these different tech startups everywhere. You've got a you've got a great technology guy. You've got a subject matter expert that has identified a problem, and you then together build a solution. And that extends when you get to the ABM, right? When you when you start building at the ABM, you still need that subject matter expert to guide uh, the development of your ABM. But you need an ABM subject matter expert to to help um, you know craft that message and, and and help you target the right people. So yes, to your point, which you were making earlier, you you have to have the subject matter experts, right? So before we end, I know that you are um, startup advisor or Y Combinator, and uh, you saw a lot of these startups. You you saw a lot of um, actually Sam Altman, right? Like he uh, Y Combinator is uh, he was involved there, right? Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, having this whole AI, I suppose, even for him, is. Um, getting so many ideas and getting so many tech tech folks going to to Y Combinator and it was like an infusion of information and knowledge right and um, it took years till they came up with with uh, open a, open AI and and launch it so it's another proof of um, give it time um, gather information ask questions be like a sponge all the time we are always learning um and i learned a lot today uh, thought about uh, um, data scientists about the whole um construction mobility the new the new category that you guys are are building so thanks a lot for this and thank you for um pointing out the subject matter expertise most probably we will name this podcast uh, uh, to subject matter expertise as a team um, and um, let be, be, before I finish I would like just to to know where where you get your information about ABM um, how how do you um, get informed how do you develop in this field? What would you recommend to the folks out there? Um, it's become a pretty um, crowded field. There, there are tons of different technologies out there. There, there are uh, tons of different options for companies. Um, so you need to do a lot of shopping uh, and educate yourself and become. Uh, if you are, if you are looking to implement ABM within your company, you need to become somewhat of a. Uh, subject matter expert in that particular field yourself, because there are a lot of options and there are some really um, fantastic technologies that are available. Um, so educate yourself and see what fits for your particular company, because there's um, different levels of com- complexity, different levels of cost, and you need to find the particular package that is a fit for your company and your strategy um, and your budget. Great. Thanks a lot, Todd. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, folks. Take care.